Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Wright Marshall, president of Revival Construction in Atlanta, Georgia. I've said it hundreds of times. One of the strongest ways to differentiate yourself in your market is to have a niche. Revival has always focused on a very specific niche and is constantly refining its team and systems to be the leader in that niche. Wright is going to share the details in just a minute. Yeah, it's me, Deadpool, and I got an offer that you can't refuse. Ah, fake laugh. It's funny that I only ever see two of you. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hello over there. How you doing? I'm uh, well. All the way on the other side of the studio. Yeah, this big, huge hello, studio. Hello, hello, hello. So today we got a great topic right up your little marketing alley. Yes. I'm so happy. You know, I mean, just like we have a niche, right? Very specialized area of focus, right. deep but narrow. Sure. So does our guest today. Absolutely. Which makes it pretty exciting. One inch wide, 10 miles deep. There That's you what go. you want to do. That's exactly right. I like it that way because, you know, there's so many advantages to it. Absolutely. So I don't want to go on too much. Let's get our let's, guest yeah, on. Yeah, let's do that. There, okay. All right. In May 2000, Wright Marshall, a longtime Roundtables member, formed Revival Construction, Inc. with a vision to renovate and restore Atlanta's older homes. They focus on classically designed whole house renovations and additions to houses built before World War II in the in-town areas of Atlanta. Revival's mission is to build beautiful homes and lasting relationships. Thanks for being with us, right? Glad to be here. You, I've seen some of your projects, and they are exquisite. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, you know, so I want to learn a little bit more about how you came to be in this niche. Let's let's start with why did you name your company Revival? Well, um, I'd always known that I, I've come from a family of small business owners and knew that I always wanted to have my own company. But part of it, I never wanted to be named after me. So I always knew that it was going to be <clears throat> something that wasn't right Marshall construction or the like so that we could grow beyond that and someone wouldn't always want to have to talk to the owner. But, um, you know, Revival, I bring old houses back to life. That's what ah. the name is. And then also most of the architectural styles that I'm working on are actual Revival styles. Oh. So most of the styles in the early 20th century were Revivals of, say, the Georgian or Tudor styles of England or the Colonial Revival in America. And then also the Allman Brothers song Revival in the <laughs> Southerner that I am. <laughs> That's great. So, That's great. A couple, a whole bunch of reasons why you named it that, eh? That's <laughs> awesome. We should have that, that music playing in the background. When okay, I'll do that. So yeah, that'd be pretty no cool. Problem. Why do you focus on these types of homes? Was your family involved in the building trades, or was that something new to you? Um, no, my grandfather and father were in the radio business, but oh. um, and my father would like to claim that dragging me, kicking and screaming on Saturday mornings, working on projects around the house and doing that kind of thing is where I got my training. But I love um, architectural history and classical architecture, and um, so it's a great way to kind of combine all that into a business. 
So. so you must have loved that presentation a few years back at one of our summits by the gentleman Brent Hall, mm-hmm. who who talked a lot about how the, the the elements of classic architecture. Correct. I've known Brent for a long time and oh, have okay. a couple of his books. So yes, awesome. We're, we speak the same language. So <laughs> now, so how exactly did you get your training in this? Besides your dad dragging you around. Well. Um, when I went to college, I thought I was going to be an investment banker or a tax lawyer, but I went to a liberal arts school in Virginia and ended up majoring in business and then minoring in architectural history. Oh. And so during that time, I thought about going to architecture school, but decided um, that I'd go build for a while first, and kind of here I am. I love architectural history, and there wasn't necessarily the most obvious career path in that or way to make any money. Right. So I decided to go build for a while first and then decide. So you are celebrating your 20th year in business, right? That's awesome. Congratulations. So, Hard to believe I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> I know, really. I've known you for a very long time, I have to say. Yeah. What has made you, what are some of the elements that have made you as successful as you are? Well, I think that I was very fortunate early on to know what I wanted to do and um, wanted to be able to be passionate about it and have a hobby that could become a business and a way to support myself. But in that, knowing that I wanted to do this sort of specific thing, it made it a lot easier to determine the kind of business that I wanted to have, mm-hmm. you know, the clients I wanted to go over in the niche that I was going to serve. Um, and I never really could have artic- articulated that well until I'd probably read Jim Collins' Good to Great, his hedgehog concept, right. which I think really defines it best when it says, you know, what are you passionate about, which is, you know, this business I'm in of classical architecture and restoring old homes. What do you think you can be in the best of the world in doing? And um, I felt that there were people doing it in my market, but not necessarily anyone who dominated or someone I couldn't be better at doing. And I felt that, you know, in construction service and the client experience aren't always um, strengths of most construction companies. So if you could add that with the technical part, I thought you could do it very well. And then also you got to figure out what drives your sort of economic engine. How do you get that business? And um, I was able to figure out fairly early that was paying for people who would pay us our advice and planning services ahead of construction. So really the whole free bid concept taking out of that where they would hire us to help plan their projects. So um, I was able to get that right pretty early in my career and then therefore wasn't making huge strategic changes but trying to just get a little bit better every year. So you work primarily with architects that design projects and bring them to you or or offer them up to you as a potential builder, right? Uh, yes and no. The majority of our projects do come or involve outside architects or designers. Um, I've always been somewhat of a hybrid. I am. I do strongly believe in the design build process. I just don't necessarily feel it has to be under one roof or in one company. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I thought was important that I realized I wanted people to come to me, not just the architect, and then kind of follow on their coattails. I wanted them to want revival, not just because I work with so-and-so architect, because they knew the project would be better regardless of who they worked with if revival was involved. So many times I'm actually bringing the clients to the architects or the designers. Oh, so it okay. works much both ways. Okay, great. So how do you take your company to market? How do you attract the clients that you do attract? How do you find those people that are willing to pay for that expertise in that niche? Well, I mean, I just um, – I have a long time tried to be the old house guy. I've done a lot of research and writing. I've given lectures. I'm on the board of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art and mm-hmm. on the 
Georgia Trust and other sort of historic preservation uh, committees. And just luckily in the kind of group that I'm around, there are not a lot of other people that do it. So I'm the, the lone person providing that. So That's awesome. Right. When you, when you made the decision, it, obviously you're very passionate about it. Was was your passion for what you're doing the driving force behind going to this niche, or did you kind of think from a um, strategic business marketing perspective I should be in a niche? No, I think it's what I wanted to do, and then I just had to try to find a way to be successful at doing it. And, you know, could I make that work? Gotcha. So looking back on your 20 years, you've built you know some just again some beautiful projects, won bazillions of awards and things. What do you wish you had known 20 years ago that you know now? Um, well, I kind of would approach that from what would I, I guess, do differently. Um, you know, part of it, not having a system of hiring, when I look at some of my biggest mistakes, were just, you know, not having great hires. Um, and, you know, part of that was really not defining what success was, I guess, in those positions and really determining the outcomes that I wanted. So I've had some bad hires over the years and luckily gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Um, I didn't invest enough in estimating. I was more about selling and building and sort of put that on the back burner and would do that at night, probably kept that on my plate too long. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd passed that off to someone good. Um, Also, when you're not um, disciplined, when you know you should have a certain markup or shouldn't work for a client or, or tended to skip something in your process. I just think being disciplined more would have been important to stick to what you knew you should do. And then um, kind of set smaller goals, not to be where you don't think you're kind of reaching for something grand, but it's something small and realistic and doable that you can knock out and move on to the next one. It's kind of the whole 12 week year concept where you set smaller goals to re- achieve the bigger one in the end. So when you're talking about smaller goals, are you talking about financial goals primarily? Um, usually they're more sort of, uh, tactical goals and small things that we need to do to just tweak our process or change, um, stop doing something or change a little part of our process or add one more thing. Um, so it's not usually, I mean, financial is the big one. And then you sort of try to make the plan of how do you get there and what are you doing each week or each month to get there? Hey, this is Mark cutting in with a quick break to tell you about our masterclass series of courses. These courses are intimate two-day sessions of rich, interactive information with plenty of hands-on instruction. We cap our classes at 12 to 15 individuals, which means more opportunity to work one-on-one with your trainer. All our instructors are well-known, respected industry experts and some of the best in their field of expertise. To see which courses we currently have available, visit remodelersadvantage.com slash masterclass. Now back to the show. Give us a little bit of history of your uh, company's growth over these 20 years. Like where, what were you like in year five and 10 to now? You know, I've very much um, somewhat done the tiered growth that a lot of people have talked about, you know, where you sort of stay at a one and a half, two million level for a couple of years, then jump to the three to the four, Mm. five to the six. And then last year we're a little bit over nine million. Okay. Wow. I mean, it hasn't truly been linear. It's been more in that mm-hmm. kind of every two or three years, take a jump. And how many employees? Uh, we have 15 okay. right now. So if you were to compare your company against somebody who was not in a niche, what do you think you're seeing as the major advantages for you and your company? 
Well, I think it's really easy to determine who your client is and who a good job for you is. And so therefore you're not chasing business. You can really cut to the chase pretty quickly. Um, one of the things that I learned early was Peter Feynman mm-hmm. did a talk back in the remodeling show in the late nineties called to bid or not to bid. And the whole point, I used to have that on a cassette tape. So I sold my <laughs> um, and listened to it over and over, but it was basically to work for the people who hire you. And so if you can't get yourself out of the bidding game and you keep doing free estimates and that kind of thing, you're always chasing the work versus trying to plan a successful project, doing a good job for your uh, client. So I think it helps you do that. And another plug for RA, Paul Winans used to have a SAG called Producing Proposals That Sell. Yes. And it was about having to get to the point quickly and qualify your clients and you know focus on what you do over and over again. So when you're in a niche and you know that you know, our whole house renovations typically cost X, Y, and Z, then it's a lot easier to cut to the chase and see if you're a good fit. Because when you're not, you need to go look for the next opportunity. Okay. You know, right, typically a niche business, one huge advantage it has over a, a general practitioner, so to speak, is that the close rate is higher. Do you experience that? Yes. I mean, you. I think that, um, you know, we do a lot of qualification early on our leads, but you know, we're trying not to produce more than, you know, one and a half proposals for every one we do. So by the time we do a proposal, we really want it to, you know, we're working for somebody who we're going to get. Do you think that the type of work you do in this niche, and again, you've got the expertise, you've done it over and over, you're able to be efficient, you know, the kinds of materials, the kinds of products that you would want. Do they tend to be more expensive projects for the, for the, like the size, the scope compared just a regular house that was built in the 50s or built in the 70s versus the type of homes you're working on? Um, Yes, because, I mean, we're doing more custom things than things that are, uh, you know, just commonly off the shelf or sort of standardized products. Um, I mean, luckily, we do high-end work and are trying to work on architecturally significant houses. So when you're into plaster or slate and that kind of thing. So, right. I got one last question for you. <laughs> yeah. Is it already the lightning round? Are you ready for the lightning round? <laughs> and now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! Okay, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, what's your favorite business book and why? Um, I really have a seven-part answer to this, but if I had to start, it'd be the uh, seven habits of highly effective people. I think it always starts with that. Mm-hmm. If you weren't reviving homes, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd probably be a, a writing and researching on historic homes. <laughs> what are you not very good at? Um, I'm not a very good empathetic listener, according to some of the people around me. <laughs> <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? Now that I'm married, it's my room. <laughs> there you go. Would you rather be a clown who distracts the bull or the cowboy who rides it? The cowboy who rides it. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? Uh, Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> Crayola announced they're adding a color, right, Marshall, to the crayon box. What color is it and why? Probably khaki. No need to say why on that one. I think we can figure that one out. (laughs) 
That was good. Hey, right. Thank you so much for doing this. I very much appreciate it. I know I've been bugging you to do it for a while, so I appreciate you taking the time to, to share some of your thoughts with us. Now, before you go, though, I want you to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. Well, I have six, but two of the words are short. Um, (laughs) Of seven habits, begin with the end in mind. I think you have to envision what success is and where you want to go to figure out how to get there. So, All right. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, that book is so old, but it's just so true, right? It still resonates wholeheartedly with so many people. So thank you for doing it. Uh, for this, and we very much appreciate it. And if somebody wants to look at some of your projects, your beautiful world pre World War II projects, they could go to your website. Yep, www.revivalconstruction.com. Out of Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, we'll put a link yep. in the show notes. There's some beautiful work there. Yes, great. Thanks again, Wright. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Bye. You know, I think that working within a niche is the smartest thing a business person can do. It is such a strong tactic from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the biggest things I always ask anyone out there when I'm talking to them, consulting them on their marketing issue is, what's your unique selling proposition? What's your differentiator? You know, Mm -hmm. what makes you different? And so many don't have it. And having a niche is probably the easiest way to differentiate yourself compared to some of the other ways, like being an exclusive supplier of some specific product or or having some proprietary process or or something like that, which is much more involved and much more technical and much more difficult. Mm -hmm. Getting niche can really... Catapult you, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, think about it. He's been in business 20 years working on historic homes. After that many years, over and over, working on the very intricate, unique problems that those homes have, the wealth of knowledge is just phenomenal. And you you are the expert. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it such a powerful thing. A a specialist can charge more. Mm -hmm. They can get more. And you're going to close them faster because people that are coming to you know what they're getting before they pick up the phone. I mean, it's such a powerful position to be in. And even though he does a lot of work with the architects bring to him, he's he is the expert and he's closing so many. He doesn't he's not doing a bazillion. I know people who said, I got five million dollars of proposals out there. He's not doing that. Mm-mm. One and a half proposals for every one they sell. That is awesome. That's the way to go. Talk yep. about efficient. Yep, yep. Well that was great. We want to thank Wright for taking the time to talk to us about his niche business. And as always we want to thank you for coming out and listening to us week in and week out. I am Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. We'll see you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.